Hello, everybody. I'm Tommy D, sports director here at the Tennessean with Adam Sparks, and we're breaking down the doors. And Adam, we're we're breaking down the art today <laughs> because <laughs> Vanderbilt is a well-rounded institution of higher learning where one would expect to get an appreciation for the arts, even even if they're you're a football fan. So let's let's start with what else? The Vandy mural that isn't really even Vandy's mural. I love how you intro that there. <laughs> and we're also going to talk today about um, why Vanderbilt will be selling alcohol at, at football games. And there are many views on that, including if I was at the Alabama game a few years ago, and that probably were a few people who needed a drink after that. And um, why Vanderbilt's quarterback competition is still open. So we've got some interesting topics, but what could we start with except the mural? And why don't you set the scene for people like me who I've seen the mural. I know it's on West Endish. Am I right? Yeah, corner of 28th Avenue in West End. So it's just kind of on the corner of campus, just a short walk to Stadium Memorial Gym, all those sort of things. Anybody that's been to Vandy Games or been to Vandy's campus over the past, oh, 20, what's well, been 27 years, 92 is when it started. Well, it's kind just of, a couple of blocks from the stadium. Yes. Yeah, they'll kind of know what it is. It's just, it's the... It used to be two coaches and three coaches over the last few years. It's been the men's coach, women's coach, basketball, football coach, and baseball coach. Basically, their heads in a mural, and then some background of stadiums and fans and that sort of thing. Uh, it was replaced over the weekend. Right now, it's just in a... In the dead of night. That's right. That's right. It's kind of the, uh, was it the Baltimore Colts? Exactly, yeah. And, the, you wake up one day and it's not there anymore. That's right. The Mayflower trucks are leaving town. Yes, yeah, so over, over the weekend it was replaced. This shocked a number of people, especially on social media. People driving down West End saw it. It's just a white wall now with a, what's the beginning of a Star V logo, Vanderbilt's logo. It's actually not finished yet. There'll be a little more to the logo put up. But this shocked a lot of people. Here's the story behind that. It did not shock me. I had heard internal rumblings about this all the way back to, I'd say, probably February or March. And even before that, I've been on the beat since 2014. I heard about whispers about what to do with a mural back in 2014. So for people that don't know, here's kind of how it went down. Michael, Michael Cooper, he's a local artist, uh, well-known elsewhere, successful artist around town. I think he did some work at the Frist Center, but don't don't hold me to that. Uh, he's a local guy in Williamson County. He started doing it in 1992. The owners at the time... Of the, had, of the place that has the wall. That has the wall. The owners of the building at that time, it was a it was an apparel shop with Vandy, Vandy gear and some other things at the time. It's a now a Verizon store. But anyway, the owners at the time said, hey, we're Vandy fans. We'd like you to do this mur- mural. They They commissioned it for him. Vandy had nothing to do with it, but they had to get permission to use the logo and the likenesses. They did, and then it was updated every few years by the same artist, Michael Cooper. And there's been... Roughly every three years with a new football coach, as I recall, for a while. Yeah, that's right. Every time there's a new coach, you've got to do a new one. It's been iconic for some people. Others have grumbled that it's not... It's not... All the likenesses are not done well. That actually came to a head back in... 2014, Derek Mason was the new football coach at the time, and the likeness that was put up there by the artist was not good. The NAACP made some complaints, and I think valid complaints. The it looked like a a minstrel actor, a in blackface in the back of the old talkies in the 20s or whatever. You can even go to vaudeville. 
the, it, it, his skin tone looked terrible, had almost white lips. Um, it was obvious it needed to be redone. It was redone. It, to, I know he's, he's a good artist. I don't think it was done that well in the follow-up. You're going to have Jerry Stackhouse, also an African-American coach, that was going to be painted up there next. This didn't start now. It's been going on for years, but there's been whispers for years about should we change it? Should we go in a different direction? At what point do we say we would just like this to look different, a different artist, a different mural? This didn't start with the new athletic director, Malcolm Turner. It started long before that. Uh, but this was essentially the the ripping off of the Band-Aid. Okay, we're just going to do it. It's going to make some people mad, but we think the image needs to change. The mural needs to be updated. We need a different artist, and we're going to take the short-term blowback. Vandy looks at it and says, then, and, uh, and in the long run, it'll be better. They've got, a, they've got a plan for some murals, maybe to highlight different players. Let's say Keyshawn Vaughn is SEC Player of the Year. Put up a Keyshawn Vaughn. Baseball team wins another national title next year. Paint, paint the national title season up there. You could do a lot of different things, and so they're going to try to change it for it to be, I think you and I were saying, I think you made the point, maybe a billboard almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. Promote, the, promote the athletic it, department. It is part of the landscape, and it, it has become part of the landscape. I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a guy who lived here before it existed um, back in the mid-'80s to early-'90s when I guess I probably moved shortly before maybe it first appeared. So it wasn't. And then, you know, you would come back to town, and, and it's kind of an iconic thing. Yeah. Um, whether you like the art or you don't like the art, it was kind of little, like the little Vandy Corner driving down West End. You checked. You know, you saw. So I think scrapping it would probably have not been the thing to do and just say, screw it, just paint white over it, and we're doing away with this completely. It is part of the landscape. Yeah, and I think the the take for a lot of people in turn, I won't say a lot, but some in the athletic department is – how iconic is it at this point? In other words, and, and I know, I, I think there's an older generation that will be hurt more by it going away than the younger generation. The younger generation, I think, you look at and say, how often is this, that mural turned up on somebody's Instagram, on their Twitter? Hey, look, I'm at a Vandy game, and you take a selfie with that mural behind you. I don't see it much. If you're not taking selfies with it, it needs to come down. <laughs> that's right. that if there's not be. a selfie stick somewhere within 10 feet of it, I'd say at least 12 hours a day. What are we doing here? Well, <laughs> there's no point of it existing. <laughs> that's, uh, that's really for all things. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at the the, the, the wings that everybody comes and takes mm, a picture yeah. of in, in, in Nashville down at the Gulch. It's Whatever they do is not going to be that. But I think Vandy would like to say we're in a new era and we'd like it to be something where people go there to see what it looks like. Oh, look, the murals change, and you and you share it on social media, and it's more of uh, more of a place to to promote the athletic department. Something that changes and is more current and contemporary. They are going to use local artists, by the way. It is it isn't something where they're going to. You they're, know, not, they're not going in-house with this and bringing out the stencils. No, they're not. They're not. They're also not going to farm it out to somebody to fly in and paint it. They're going to use local artists, and you can find lots of very talented local artists in Nashville. So they're Recording artists. They could do that. They could do that. <laughs> I don't think that's what they're going to do. Well, you know, they want to be more contemporary. That's right. That's right. So it'll be put to use. I imagine there, I already know there's a percentage of people that think this is kind of the end of an era there. I think a lot of people are frustrated by it, but 
give it a year, see what that mural looks like, and see if you react to it different. Did you, did you, do you miss it now because you really miss it, or do you miss it now and you didn't really know? Didn't really care gone? about it when it was there. Right. Right, I think that's. Did you the, take your selfie stick over there last week? That's, well, yeah. I, see, I didn't. I, I, I didn't I don't either. Even have one, so but. the selfie test, I don't think it's passed. No, but I mean, I, I, this all comes down to what do they do with it? If if you paint a V with a star, and you go back and look a year from now, and it's a V with a star, and it's the same V with a star, what's the point? But they, if you're actually going to keep up with what's going on on campus, and find ways to promote what, what you've done well, which makes me wonder why they didn't go with the baseball team right away because that's still fresh in all of our memories. That's a good point. Uh, that, that's one that, that wasn't commemorated there, I guess. You know, You know, there was even talk internally back months ago with the NFL draft coming um, to, uh, to Nashville that they had thought about maybe highlighting Juwan Williams and putting kind of – you know, we are Nashville, we are Vanderbilt, we are NFL draft sort of theme. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I, I'm not sure why that didn't happen. I would imagine it was kind of a short turnaround. They had to get permission from the owner they to were, use They it. were waiting to win a basketball game. and then, It well, never they, happened. They're, they're, they're still they're waiting. They're still waiting. <laughs> so that could still, they still may have a plan to unveil the, the we won a basketball game mural. We beat SEMO? Exactly. Is that what it is? <laughs> so it, it will change. I don't know how quickly it will change, but uh, that's, that's, that's the inside story on the mural. This didn't happen overnight. It's been talked about for quite a while. And I, by the way, I think this is a little emblematic of some things that Vandy will do with Malcolm Turner as the athletic director. Some things in the past was – we'd like to change this, but we're just not going to. Where Malcolm Turner is more, oh, we'd like to change that? Well, let's just change it. Well, it'll make a certain number of people angry. Yeah, but does it need to change? It does? Okay, let's just do it. He made a change at basketball, Coach. That's right. That was was a bold change for Vanderbilt. That's right. Does it turn out for the better long term? I don't know, but he, he... He's not afraid of making a change if it seems like it's sensible to make one. Well, that brings us to our second topic, which is a major change. Um, And it's not like Vanderbilt's the only school in the country doing this. It's a wave right now. But Vanderbilt will be selling alcohol at at Vanderbilt football games in the stadium. And I have an inside source that says also hard cider, perhaps. Whoa. So So when you say alcohol, what what do we know about this? Uh, Beer, uh, domestic, imported. Uh, there'll be some craft beers in the north end zone, the section in the north end zone, not literally mm-hmm. <laughs> in the north end zone. Uh, After they spill it, it'll be in the north right, end zone. That's You're right. You're talking about the more plaza area. That's, yes. that's kind of the donor yes. type thing, right? So they'll have them there, but pretty much beer. They're, they're tr- trying to internally look at if they could use a hard cider. This is, I think this is I, six. I have, a, I have a friend who um, once walked into a, a bar that, that sold beer and wine and he left because they didn't sell alcohol because he was looking for hard liquor so uh, he might not he might not be showing up at van so he made that distinction exactly there's beer wine and there's alcohol yeah i don't think they'll have alcohol Uh, in that in that sense in vanderbilt stadium so seven your own sorry i didn't say that seven sec schools i think have now so that's half the league i think tennessee was the missouri vandy then tennessee i think at about seven so about half i mean the SEC made it easy on some of these schools by laying out its own policies. For example, you can't have 
uh, it's sold in the stands. In other words, you can't have a beer man walking up and down the stands. That would have been an issue with a lot of people that felt like it would have taken away a certain element of the atmosphere, the family atmosphere. Vandy didn't have to decide that, nor did any of the other SEC schools, because the SEC said it's their policy. You can't do that. You have to sell it to stationary, uh, stationary spot on the concourse. It'll be there. It'll be in concession stands. People may have griped to some extent one way or another if it was sold late in the game. SEC policy says you've got to quit selling it at the end of the third quarter. Right, so there's a last call, yes. so to and, speak. And, and really it's the, I think it's two or three minutes left in the third quarter that if you're not in line, then you're not getting it. They're actually going to cut off line before the end of the third quarter with a couple, three minutes left. So there was a lot in the policy that said, hey, we're going to allow sales, but we're going to put a lot of restrictions around it. By doing that, it was less decisions to make for each, each SEC school. And really the biggest one was if you're going to do it, you're going to follow the SEC model. Yes, yes. Just one decision, really, is all that they had to make. And, you know, for Vandy, you know, we had a story last week about just, just taking off Vandy's statement is that uh, Malcolm Turner's statement, the AD, that it's going to be used for different things for – to to enhance the students' experience, student athletes' experience, including facility upgrades. Now, for those that have asked me over the last week, does that mean a new stadium or a renovated stadium is it's going to be built? A lot of beer. It's a lot of beer. It's not going to be built on beer sales. <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's a private school, so we're not necessarily going to know how much revenue they make off beer sales. But look at MTSU in Murfreesboro. They made nineteen thousand dollars profit just towards the school that was their take of it 19,000 for six home games now, I don't know if Vandy has a better deal they'll have higher attendance certainly in the SEC games um, not just Vandy fans but LSU fans who probably a lot uh, let's, of let, let me just start with LSU will be the high beer mark or high water mark of this absolutely um, that if you're going to start that and you wait until the year after LSU rotates off your home schedule, you've really missed the boat. You burned money. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we might, as, <laughs> might as well drink if you got them, fellas. Maybe that's how they decide. You know, some of the SEC schools said we will reevaluate this next year. Yeah, when LSU comes to town. That's right. And Vanderbilt said, no, we are doing well, yeah, this right well, now. If we don't like it afterwards, we at least took advantage of that that's opportunity. Right, that's right. So, if that's an 11 o'clock game, the LSU fans who come to Nashville will simply not stop drinking the night before. Sure. If it's a 6 p.m. game, the LSU fans who come to Nashville will simply not stop drinking the night before and drink all day. <laughs> one, one or the other. Exactly. No, that, that's the only option. They'll just cook gumbo while they drink. So if you take MTSU as the example and then you use a multiplier, more games, seven games, not six, and probably a better deal, more attendance, you're talking about six figures, basically, of revenue. Just for football, we'll see if they bring it out in basketball and baseball later. So you're talking about probably six figures of revenue each year. That doesn't pay for... Uh, a, a large project, but that allows you to supplement smaller projects. No, but more important than that really is what the, what in my mind this is about and because of the numbers you're talking about. Middle, Middle Tennessee, let's use a, a model that's already been done. Um, that 19,000, I don't think they thought there was going to be 119,000. They may have guessed it would be 25 or 28 or 15, but they're probably somewhere in the neighborhood of what they expected to get based on their attendance and all. What it's about is making it a what they consider for for some fans a better experience while they're there. When you're making the decision to go to the game or not, that's an amenity. That, yeah. Okay. If I sit at home, I can pop open a coal and watch the game, and I'm going to go sit out in the heat. 
And without my high-def you know, high TV, and we'll talk a little bit about the video board that's going on because that's part of the same thing, this is really aimed not so much at enriching Vanderbilt's pockets because it's not going to build a new stadium or do anything on a major scale that's going to change Vanderbilt athletics. It's about keeping fans coming to the games and enticing others to, I would say. Yeah, I think it's twofold. I think it's – I think it's it, the SEC has said here's a revenue stream – that you can open if you want to open it. So Vanderbilt has said, well, in the long term, we, the profits that we will make will make some of a difference. Let's say it's six figures. Over 10 years, that is a yeah. that's a, that's a good revenue stream. It's mm-hmm. not a big check, but it's a revenue stream. But it's not going to make the difference in paying off a coach that right. you're firing or something right. like that. And so, then, and so then secondly, what you're saying is uh, it, it's the competition in, in Nashville, we've talked about this before, that's different than 20 years ago. You've got an NFL team, an NHL team, soon an MLS team. Um, you've All got, of which you have or will be serving alcohol. Yes. Quite yeah. frankly. It's a pro market. Right. And when it was a college market, there wasn't alcohol sales to consider. When it's a pro market, and, and that's, by the way, that's why MTSU jumped on it a year early when they got the, the open door to do it because they're competing just as fiercely as Vanderbilt. Those are people who drive to Nashville for, for, for entertainment events and athletic events, too. Yeah. I mean, so if if you're going to try to stay with the pack there, that's 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 why they did that. And, and with a new athletic director, I think it was maybe a little easier because a number of things are changing in the experience, like the video board, like some other things that they'll be rolling out over the next year or two. Um, so that's why they thought it was, uh, it was the best timing to do this. Yeah, and, and we're nowhere near talking about what, what we should be talking about, Frank, frankly, which is Vanderbilt's master plan to bring – the stadium into the oh, 18th century um it's it's not adequate it is it is antiquated this is a, this isn't even a band-aid it's just a thing to make your experience better and, and and the video board is part of that because it looked like quite frankly your old black and white tv that i grew up with by comparison to yeah. other stadiums i've been to and i've been to everywhere in the sec and all that um and let's face it, Vanderbilt, smaller school, it's a private school. It doesn't have to mean that their stadium is 100,000 seats and, and you know, big screen TV, HD, you know, space shuttle landing stuff. But it, it needs to be better than what it is now. What it, whether that means scrapping it and starting over or whether that means really putting some money in to, to clean, it, clean it up. And, I mean, not like it's dirty, but just make it, make it more modern so that your, your, your fan experience is better. And and a small piece of that might be the alcohol, but a, a bigger small piece of that might be having a decent sized video board, because I was at the spring game and I couldn't tell what was happening on the <laughs> when they showed a play on the board. It was, you know, it just isn't it isn't big enough. They took down and they took they had two. They took down the the tiny one and one. That's in the zone. one I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah, and then they put up. They it's like the, watching it on your phone from across the room. <laughs> That's right. Well, my my a bigger issue that I had that I actually mentioned to Malcolm Turner when he took the job was. Um, how about you update the scores? Because sometimes you would look up there and well, Michigan and Notre Dame are tied in the third quarter, and then you'd look at your phone. The game ended two hours ago. Right. Yeah, so, so somebody update that. The little video board is gone. The bigger video board is down. They're replacing the bigger one. Um, they, it's not done yet. There was still they still hadn't got it up. They're still doing construction on it. When I was at the out there. Uh, after the scrimmage the other day, it should be done uh, before the season opener against Georgia. 
the restrooms have undergone somewhat of a renovation, but I, I have I have not gone in and tried out okay. the restrooms. Uh, uh, we'll save that for an upcoming report. Yeah. <laughs> the bathroom scouting report. We'll do a we'll do a we'll do a podcast with an echo from will, the from the Vanderbilt. I just bathroom. wonder if we have to walk, you know, that path we take from the press box to the field. Where you go underneath, underneath and there's like boards over the mud and rock and still the same. Yeah, that's that could use like you know I'm not saying it has to be red carpet, but well for anybody that hasn't done that and almost nobody listening right. to this has. There are people that have been they got lost here that there that haven't been seen for decades. <laughs> that's right. When when you when you hear that the original structure there when that you know they built on it a number of times the original structures like the 1920s 30s you'll believe that if you see the underneath. Yeah, uh, there's some there's some boards from the, the original pirate ship there. that they gave them That's the right. Commodore's name from. That's right. You can still see the crow's nest down there somewhere. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, but uh, it it needs it needs some work inside and out. And I'll leave it at that. The the press box is not what an SEC press box should be. And if you aspire to be a team that's going to bowls every year, which they've gotten toward doing more often and stuff, then that means when Georgia comes to town and when LSU comes to town or when Alabama comes to town or when Tennessee comes to town, there's going to be people in that press box. there, And you're making an impression on them that's going to go to others. But quite frankly, you're, it's not even big enough to hold like – like when the people that cover those teams have to be told, you can only take half as many people as you cover at every other SEC game because we don't have enough seating. That needs to change. Well, and I think the the sight lines, I think, will eventually change in the new plan. A new stadium versus a renovated stadium, I don't know. It may be semantics. I tend to think they're going to have something on that site, and I think the concourse is going to be opened up a little more of the sight lines. I think we've talked about this before where most new – ballparks slash stadiums have have it open enough to where you can be at the concession stand and see still, and still see the game yes at least have a feel Especially of what's going on if you're standing on. in line waiting for a beer that's right that's right and you know that there's a connection there between the football stadium and the baseball stadium on one side mm-hmm. i think there's a potential of of utilizing that connection between the two and that would be a good way to do it because you've got donors who would pay probably premium dollars to be on that side of the stadium that they part of the deal being now i get this for baseball too right correct yep you yeah. could put suites that that where you could get a view of both Do, you could have use a, suites a stadium club mm-hmm. would probably even be better there i think yeah. that's one thing internally they've they've considered at least a lot of that is what is the bid looks like structurally what does it look like what what would it cost sure a lot of this is going to come down to math and i think they're still trying to figure that out and, and they are they, they're in the fortunate situation that they can think outside the box and do that if they if it's fe- if it's physically feasibly possible that that let's just make this dual use seating for for football and baseball for for a premium club level thing nobody else in the SEC really would think that way because football is this thing and you don't change you're not going to change I mean the things aren't adjacent but you're not going to change Neyland Stadium to get a view of the baseball field. You're right. not going to change Bryant Denny Stadium so you can see Sewell Thomas Stadium. But at Vandy, but at Vanderbilt, where where a the geography works for you because you're you're adjacent, and b where baseball is somewhere that your premium donors might say, I don't know if I'll do that for the football, but now if I get it for baseball too, yeah, I'll, here's my check. Yeah, and I think the first impression on Malcolm Turner being 
very impressed by Tim Corbin, very impressed by baseball overall, and then, oh, a national title in my first few months on the job. I think he's, that makes He's a very successful athletic director. and <laughs> you know, I, don't, I don't know what you other athletic directors did in your first few months on the job. I got a ring. He, he coached up Tim Corbin. That's for Yeah, sure. exactly. <laughs> Do you think he waves that ring under Tim Corbin's nose? He should. Yeah, I, yeah. for you. Me, I'm calling you into my office to evaluate the job you did. And this ring, you passed this year. I need another one next year. <laughs> um, you keep those coming. I think we can keep this thing going. So let's talk a little football here, Adam. What position do you want to talk about? <sighs> let's talk about quarterbacks. Okay, why not? Um, why, why is it still open? Or is it still open? Is it a secret? Is it does, it, does he know it and he's not telling? What What is the deal? Well, let, let me start it off with this. Uh, we asked Jerry Gadowski, the offensive coordinator. Obviously, you mentioned the offense coordinator. Yes. Derek Mason makes this call ultimately. Derek Mason ultimately makes the call. He's going to lean on Jerry Gadowski, the offensive coordinator, to tell him who, who do you like. And I don't, I don't think they're necessarily going to disagree. But it's still open. Jerry Gadowski the other day even said it's one of the tightest races he's ever seen. And he's been he's been coaching since the nineties, so he's seen plenty. He was a quarterback at Nebraska, but uh, so did he run some some option there. He did. did. He? he did. Uh, he's not going to be running. I like much him already. <laughs> Do you like options? I love option football. My favorite team to watch is Air Force because they run oh. the closest thing to the real wishbones, which is what Vandy should be doing. But no, I oh, different podcast. That's the last thing they need to do. Breaking, breaking down the bone, the wishbone. Uh, we'll talk. We'll talk about this in another podcast. Let's but do it. You are dead wrong about that. Me, me and this offense coordinator are going to get along really okay, well. Uh, okay, but he's not going to be running that. But he's got two quarterbacks. Vandy uh, starts with a V, and Veer starts with a V. Mm, okay. Okay. So, uh, uh, Riley Neal, Ball State graduate transfer, and Deuce Wallace, who's a junior, he's been the backup at Vandy for 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 a couple years, but um, hasn't played significantly. He's correct. not like a guy with eight starts under his belt. Right, and something. Riley Neal has had thirty-two starts, thrown for like eight thousand yards at Ball State. He's played a bunch, and but not at this level, and not in this system. In so. the MAC, yeah, right. in the MAC at Ball State, and not at this, yeah, and not in this system. Deuce Wallace understands the system better. So I asked Jerry Gadowski the other day to kind of distinguish between the two at this point in preseason practice. And there there are some people, I think, on Twitter that misunderstood what he said specifically about Deuce Wallace here. Let me play the clip, and I'll, I'll explain. Here's Jerry Godowski, the offensive coordinator. I think, you know, Riley probably has has a little bit of the bigger arm, you know, you know, can make make some, some throws down the field. Um, like Deuce has a really good understanding of the offense and anticipates throws really well. Um, and and just ha- has has a plan all the time about where he wants to go with the ball. And um, you know, Riley's rushed for over a thousand yards in his career. You know, at, at Ball State, so he he can definitely take off and run when he needs to. Um, you know, but I think you know th- th- they both right now are would give us a chance to win if either one of them was in the game. Okay, Adam, what do you make of that? Well, now, to interpret because there there are other there are. Um, various interpretations because people want to hear what they want to hear. So Riley, what I heard was they're running the veer. <laughs> I did not hear that. So Riley Neal, Jerry Gadowski saying he has a bigger arm. That's his way of saying, as we have heard many times from many analyst coaches, he can make all the throws, so to speak. He is an NFL or an SEC. Let's just say an SEC type arm. Riley Neal can do that. He has the upside of that. He is not caught up quite in the understanding of the offense, the concepts, recognizing coverages as quickly as Deuce Wallace, who, again, has been in the offense for a while. The, the, I think the misread by some people that have read the quote about Deuce Wallace 
uh, where he says Deuce has a plan about where he wants to go with the ball and that he anticipates throws well. I've seen some people on social media say, well, that means he's 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 looking down He's locking receivers. in on receivers. Yes, that's not what... He's, he's saying, I'm throwing it to Pinckney, so I'm staring at Pinckney right. from the start. And you don't think that's that what, is what not, the coach And that means. is not what Jerry Godowski meant. What, but people are interpreting it that yes, way. Yes, what Jerry Godowski meant was he throws the ball where it's supposed to go. He's, he's not indecisive. Um, what they need the offense to do, he can do. That being said, I think you can read a little bit in what they, the comparison they've made of the arm strength and those sort of things, that Deuce Wallace will run the offense efficiently, but perhaps limited in what he can do. For example, uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of the catches at Jared Pinckney, some of his better catches, uh, the all-SEC tight end Jared Pinckney had last year with Cal Shermer at quarterback, were the seam routes, the kind of up the field, up through the middle of the field, linebacker is chasing him, a safety is closing in you're throwing the ball about 20, 25 yards downfield at times. You've got to, you've got to put it in between those. In a defenders. window. Yes. In a window, hit your big tight end who can run, and before you know it, he's got 30 yards on a catch. You have, to be, you have to be quick with the ball. You have to have something behind the ball. Deuce Wallace can do that. Riley Neal can do that better if he recognizes where the ball is supposed to be. So are you good with Deuce Wallace knowing the ball is supposed to go here and I'm going to throw it there? reading the coverage correctly, or do you want Riley Neal that if he does recognize where the ball is supposed to go, he can get it there better than Deuce Wallace? That's the question I think they're dealing with. I think the delay in picking a quarterback has been the fact that they are waiting to see if Riley Neal can catch up enough in the offense to Deuce Wallace. So so more or less, and, and we are projecting, yeah. they, this is not what the coaches came out and said, but listening to them and knowing the situation – if the guy with the arm had the knowledge of the offense, he would be the quarterback. I think so because he can run the full offense. He can he can make all the throws. He can you don't have to do half field reads. He can he can he's got the arm to get the ball where where it wants to go. He just has to know where that is. Yes, for this, and I think it's marginal between the two. It's not like Deuce Wallace has got it all figured out, and Riley Neal doesn't have any. It's, it's, it's not it's like Deuce Wallace can't make any plays either. He's, Correct. He's, he's yes. more, probably a better mobile guy, I would think. Is that fair? Yeah, m- marginally, yes. Right. I mean, neither, Wallace, neither of these guys are scat back Correct. option quarterbacks. But if you had to choose one to run for a first down on, on a broken down play on third and ten, I guess I'm going Deuce, right? Yes, Deuce is a better runner. Riley Neal can run. He's shown he can run, but Deuce Wallace yeah, well, is a better runner. Well, in the spring runner. game, as I recall, yes. he had a couple yes. of nice broken down plays that, that he, he showed some instinct, not – he will not win a lot of foot races, but if he beats you, you yeah. Down. But if he can beat you to the marker, he will. So you know you've got a few questions there for the coaches. Um, if if they're around the same status as they have been for the past week or two, um, do you put Deuce Wallace in there against Georgia and say he's probably not going to turn it over? He's going to run the offense efficiently. He's going to put the ball generally where it's supposed to be, but we're not going to beat anybody deep. We're not going to throw into tight windows. We're just going to kind of be what we are and try to hang around in the game. Do you do that, or do you put Riley Neal out there and say if he understands where the ball is supposed to go, he can sling it downfield to an all-SEC tight end, all-SEC wide receiver. Make you respect those weapons so you can run the ball some against Georgia because if they don't respect you, your ability to spread the field vertically and horizontally, then they're going to pack the box right. and your all-SEC running back is going to be 
starting week two, not as the leader in the SEC in rushing. And, and see, I think that brings up the possibility that Georgia will make their adjustments. Do you play both quarterbacks? I don't see why that wouldn't be at least a possibility. I don't know which one you start there and which one you bring in. I tend to think if Riley Neal's a starter, Deuce Wallace still has a package in the offense that you may roll out at some point, goal line or elsewhere. Um, but I don't think it's inconceivable that both could play. I think you've also got to look at the long the long range upside of these guys. So, you know, Riley, if you start Riley Neal and you say he may not give us the best chance to win in game one, but in game four, five, six, when there are more winnable games, by then he has caught up in the offense. The experience has helped him, and he's your better quarterback. Even game two, which you probably need a shootout to win. Purdue, yes. Yeah, you know, that's a, we, all, we all can look at this, and football can be a funny game. Neither side's winning that game 10-7. to 7. Correct. Yes. For Vandy to win it, Vandy's going to need to be in the 30s, I would think, at least point-wise. So are you, your first game quarterback decision may also rely on, okay, maybe, maybe you can beat Georgia, but maybe the odds are that you take it on the chin because Georgia might be the best team in the country or one of them. But by using the guy who can score the points in the game, second game, if he makes his mistakes and learns from them, you got to consider that. Where are you? Not only are week five, six, seven. Week two is a pivotal week with this schedule. And and they can't they can't waste red zone opportunities, which they were terrible in the red zone last year. They were great in the red zone two, three years ago. Bad last year. Again, reading between the lines after their first scrimmage, Derek Mason said, "I don't care about seven on sevens. Who's throwing it better than I care about red zone and third down situational football." Well, that scrimmage. So he's saying definitely option football. Right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm not going to stop. The, this is going to be a recurring thing this season. Well, well, that scrimmage was closed, but a little birdie told me that Deuce Wallace threw a couple of touchdown passes and Riley Neal threw a couple of interceptions. I think in the red zone. So he's 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 hinting there. Riley, you look better in seven on sevens and one on ones, that sort of thing. But we need you to not do dumb things in the red zone and Deuce didn't do dumb things in the red zone. They had another scrimmage this past Saturday, again closed to the public and media and all that. Um, my understanding is both quarterbacks played fairly well in the red zone. Not not very good out in the middle of the field, but in the red zone. If they both did well in the red zone, I think that helps Riley Neal. It maybe closes the gap a little bit. Because all they want to see out of him is don't be a problem. Don't 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 be a problem. Yeah, and 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 also you don't want to be a team that can only move it between the twenties and can't close the deal often enough. Because let's a let's face it, there, there are some questions at kicker yeah. that, that have yet to resolve themselves. And b with the with the big three weapons, you you should be able to finish drives. That doesn't mean you get a hundred percent touchdowns on your red zone opportunities, but you should be getting points. And it's, and it's, again, which quarterback is better for those three? If you're throwing into tight windows and downfield, Riley Neal's better. If you want to make sure when those guys are open that they're recognized as being open, it's maybe Deuce Wallace. And that might be the five-yard swing check down. Yeah. So why not play both quarterbacks at the same time? I think we've decided. Yeah. That's, and that that's could get what, your veer in there. Exactly. Deuce Wallace can be an How about A-back. the Notre Dame box? Let's just <laughs> let's compromise here. Wing T. Yeah, because in the Notre Dame box – the quarterback's a blocking back, and the tailback takes the snap. So we can have a quarterback, we can have a tailback, and we can run some option too. So I think I think we've come up with a good solution. It sounds like a plan. 
Let's go talk to the coaches. <laughs> we should. We'll bring them in on these extra mics that we have and just lay it out to them live on the air. Exactly. I think we've talked too long. Huh? Sure. Okay. Well, this has been Breaking Down the Doors, a product of the Tennessean. You can subscribe to this podcast on all of iTunes and all of your popular podcast listening places. Or you can you can also, we encourage you to subscribe to Tennessean.com to follow all of our Vanderbilt Commodores coverage.